Hello there and welcome to the Conscious Living Show with your hosts Jan and Bill Moore. Our goal is to empower you to live with power, passion and purpose and to manifest happiness and prosperity, harmony and well-being. We'll be interviewing expert guests on conscious evolution, personal empowerment, conscious business, natural health and how to create a conscious lifestyle and many other interesting topics. Today our special guest is Maxwell Ivy, otherwise known as the Blind Blogger. Born into a family of carnival owners in Texas, USA, Maxwell Ivy lost his sight at the age of 12. Having a natural gusto for life, Max graduated college and became heavily involved in the Eagle Scouts. He also worked in the family business alongside his brothers until his father succumbed to lung cancer. Faced with his own mortality, Max made some life-altering changes. He underwent gastric surgery and lost over 250 pounds. He started his own business, buying and selling amusement rides, and learned how to blog using software for visually impaired people. Overcoming many obstacles, Max made a name for himself online and now shares his experience on The Blind Blogger. Max's favourite things entail teaching and helping others achieve their goals and so he began another business, personal coaching. With the companionship of his crazy Dalmatian mix Penny, Max now spends his days singing, reading, blogging, writing, creating videos and coaching. He'd like to travel the world one day and meet in person his many online friends and clients and a special lady to share his life with but Penny might have something to say about that. Hello, Max. Hello. It seems like Hello. the technology... Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. It seems like the technology uh, gremlins are, are biting us several times today. Um, oh, dear. Did, it, did you hear my intro or... or yes, or yes, not? I heard your intro. I heard Excellent. your intro and it was a lovely intro and then it went, then it went totally silent for a couple of minutes and I figured that I had done something so I called back in and it was still silent and I called back in again and now I got you. So Oh good. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So you're back well, you're back on the air which is you know, which is which is which was doubly scaring scary this time because last week I was scheduled for a show and for some reason it never happened and a couple of people that are good friends of mine said they were gonna call in and they were like, Max, uh did you give us the right link or what's going on here? So I'm glad to see that we've finally connected Again, because for for those of y'all who don't know, uh, what is it, about a year ago we were going to do an interview when you're when y'all were still on the A Smiling World Network, and we had some technical problems that day too, if I remember. <laughs> yes, indeed, some major ones. Yes, that was on Wolf Spirit Radio, and uh, I think what happened on that occasion was Skype hijacked the station and and did an update, so it completely broke the connection to the show. So hopefully we'll have more luck this time, Max, because uh, we had lots of great feedback about the interview and uh, people were disappointed that we didn't actually get to complete it. So I'm looking forward to doing that today and really getting to know you and what it is that you have to bring to the world and how you can help people be successful. So um, 
obviously we've known ourselves for a little while so I can uh, tap into some of the things that you're involved in but I'd really like to start with you know your position as a as a personal coach and a, and a writer and a businessman is quite extraordinary given your loss of sight at the age of 12. Um, so I'd like to really start with that in terms of, you know, how did that happen and what was the impact that it had on your life at that time? Uh, are you talking about uh, the vi losing the vision? Mm, yes. Okay, all right. Well, I have retinitis pigmentosa, which most people refer to as RP. So, for you, so I had a gradual loss of vision at first, and then I lost quite a bit of vision when I was 12 or 13. It's pretty common for men with RP to have a, a big drop-off during puberty. It stayed pretty constant until I was in college, and then went down more to where I have what I have now, which is they consider it light perception. I just see it as, as being blind because I have no functional vision. Uh, the good thing about losing your vision where they know you or have a pretty good idea that you're going to lose it is you do have some time to, to kind of become adjusted to the whole thing. So there was time for me to learn how to use a white cane as opposed to some people who have to learn to use it the you know within a few days or weeks of losing their vision completely um time to learn for me to learn orientation and mobility skills uh to learn to read braille and you know also i growing up in a family of carnival owners uh during the weekends and during the summer it was kind of an insulated lifestyle in that uh, you spent most of your time with aunts, uncles, cousins, people you knew, people who would look out for you, and people that were in the same business or were probably going to be in the same business you were. So that that made a lot of this easier. Plus, when I was in school, the, they made the whole process of learning these new skills fun. I felt like I was getting getting out of classes and getting away with things when I would go on uh, on trips to learn how to navigate bus routes and stuff. So. You know, I, I think the fact that I lost my vision gradually also helped me with my business today because it seems like you're always having to learn a new way to do the same thing because I've gone from reading regular print textbooks to having to have a magnifying glass to having to have large print textbooks to then using uh, recorded materials in Braille. You know, uh, I've gone from a, type, a manual typewriter to electric keyboards and now to actually using my iPhone with a with a touch screen. So, you know, you're continually having to learn new ways to do the same things. It does make it, it does kind of prepare you for being in business for yourself, as I, I think you can probably understand. I think a lot of people listening who are either running their own businesses or want to or doing something on the side, they probably understand exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, completely. I mean, you really have to be adaptable, don't you, and have to, you know, shift with the changes as it were you know externally in the business world and also come up with new ways of approaching things so i guess that was really good training for you max yeah exactly because as as we both know when the online world you could be doing something today you could be killing it you could be making lots and lots of money and a month from now there could be a, a new innovation or people could decide there's a better way to do what you've been doing and then you've got to either learn all over again or you or you you know, you go out of business. So it's having to be adaptable, having to adjust to the changes in my vision over the years definitely uh, played into preparing me for being in business for myself. Mm. And what, that's a really good point, what you were saying about businesses and, you know, 
one of the things that um, I wrote about recently in a blog post is about how, you know, success is really about a mindset, is it not? Because, you know, external circumstances can change in the blink of an eye. And, you know, if you're not, if you don't have the right mindset and the right foundational skills, then, you know, business is over as far as, as that person is concerned. So what do you consider to be the real fundamental skills and elements of mindset that are really important for business people? And well, I think first, of, first and foremost is adaptability and resilience. I think those two are very key. Uh, you have to be able to adjust to, to new technologies, new approaches, and new markets. And you have to be able to overcome those setbacks when they come, because I guarantee you they will come. Nobody nobody is successful even 90% of the time, much less 100. So you know, even people like Warren Buffett and Mark Cuban have had days where they go, did I actually do that? And, <laughs> you know, I, I, so I believe resiliency is a, is a very big part of it. Also, I, I think that uh, you have to get to the point where you believe every day is going to bring something positive, where you believe there's a person, an event, and a, uh, an incident, something will happen during the course of your day that will, will remind you that things are good and that you're on the right path, even if the path doesn't look like it's anywhere close to the goal that you set for yourself. Because that's, you know, quite often that's, that's one of the biggest problems for, for entrepreneurs is I'm doing everything right. I'm but I'm just not making the progress that I think I should be making. And that's when you have to have that, that positive mindset that you know it's going to happen and that there's always something in your day where you'll be reminded. Uh, I've recently started saying this to people. A, a vision board is worthless without a gratitude border, without taking those times every day to say thankful for what does happen the way you want it to or the blessings that come into your life. Um, so far, nobody has picked up on it, but I think it's a good way of looking at it. You know, if your vision board is like the image of what you want, you need to have that gratitude border around the edges. I think that's a brilliant point, actually, because that's really about the energy that you put into things, because otherwise the vision board is all about what you don't have, and that can create a perpetuation of not having that um, goal that you're trying to achieve, whereas the gratitude is really acknowledging the steps that you're making towards it that that we so often overlook because, you know, we see so much in the media um, about people who seem to have made an overnight success and yet when you actually find out more about these people you realize that that success has actually been years in the making with a lot of ups and downs and a lot of learnings along the way. Yep, I started the Midway Marketplace, my first business. It'll be 10 years old this September since I filed for the domain name. We didn't actually get it online until January or February of the next year. But that that got me to thinking, you know, lots of people that are, excuse me, lots of people that appear to be overnight successes when there's really five or ten years worth of worth of sweat, blood, tears, sleepless nights, all that stuff that went into it, and. You know, here I am 10 years later, I'm I'm making progress. I'm a recognized expert in that field. But am I that overnight success or even, the you know, the huge success at it yet? No, but it gives it, it gives me great pleasure when when things do work and I can help people sell a piece of equipment that they needed to sell. And I can see the potential for, for the business. I can see what's out there in front of me. 
and I have a pretty good idea of what it will take to get there, and I'm continually taking steps every day to get closer to that goal, But which is why, as, as you said, you have to appreciate the, the small successes. You have to celebrate those accomplishments. And I think you even have to celebrate the small step figures than when you get to one of those points where you think you should have a huge part. Uh, yeah, and what what's your view, Max, in terms of uh, purpose being a real motivator in this? Because, you know, it's easy to give up on something if you re your heart really isn't in it. You know, you can hit these obstacles and think, well, that's not working. I'll go off and try something else. I think the difference is that when you're really, really committed to the outcome that you want from your business, which isn't just dependent on, on the money that you get from it, I think that, that really is what creates the persistence and the dedication that you need in order to overcome those challenges. Would you agree? Oh yeah, I definitely agree. When uh, early in the early in the Midway Marketplace, my brother used to make fun of me. He'd say, "You know, Max, you don't have anything else going on in your life." He said, "All you do is the Midway Marketplace." I said, yeah, that's that's the reason I get out of bed in the morning. That's the last thing I think about before I go to sleep at night. It's my passion. It's uh, it's my purpose, and you know. I, now I have more than one passion and more than one purpose. But for for a few years there, after the after the carnival went out of business, after you know I had to had to connect up with my uncle's carnival and and spend some time on Midway that I hated, you know for a while there I did feel good about what I was doing. I had no desire to be there. Didn't really care if I if I got open or not on Thursday or Friday night. And, um, I was very happy when my family, family finally accepted my arguments and let me quit while they continued to keep working so that I could focus my energy completely on running my my new website. You know, so, so definitely you have to have a passion. One of my favorite quotes is from Nietzsche, and I really need to read some of this stuff instead of just repeating this quote, but it's one of my favorites. And he said that if a man has a big enough why, he can manage any how. And that all goes to what you're saying about purpose. Absolutely, I really agree with that. So I'm curious to know, Max, what what made you move into the world of blogging? How did you get into that? Well, kind of the way I get into a lot of things. Somebody said, Max, you should do it. You need to be doing it, or, or uh, you should try it. And you know, at the time, I had just started the website, and people were like, Max, if you got a website, you have to have a blog. And I'm like, Well, why do I have to have a blog? And they're like. Well, you have to have one. So I started, and I realized that what a blog is is basically you writing your your feelings, your experiences, your thoughts about a particular subject and sharing with people. I had always been a good writer, had, had loved it in high school. It was one of my favorite subjects. It was one of my favorite parts of my school day. And back in school, they actually taught us writing from junior high up through high school, which they don't really do much here in the U.S. anymore. So, uh, you know, blogging was one of those things I really, once I figured out all the technical garbage about actually getting a post from writing it to online, um, you know, that was that was great. I enjoyed writing the posts. I, um, I don't exactly enjoy all the other stuff that goes along with a blog post, but I do love writing. And so that's where that started. The idea was to give people more information and, and uh, promote the equipment. And that led to me meeting some people online in groups for bloggers uh, who started referring to me as the blind blogger because 
as most people, well, you probably know this, if you only know one person who, in your circle who fits a particular description, they become that person. I became the blind blogger because I was the only blind person they knew, and I was a blogger. So uh, they referred to me that way, and they were the ones who started saying, you know, Max, you're more than just an equipment broker. Your continued desire and ability to, to meet the next obstacle and do whatever you got to do to run your business is inspiring, and you need to share more and you need to do it in a different way with a different audience. So I finally agreed. I started theblindblogger.net, where I share my more personal experiences of being an entrepreneur who happens to be blind. And that's been that's been very rewarding as well because um, I can share some things on this site that if I had shared them on the Midway's blog, people would get mad at me for revealing too much information. There's uh, in the amusement industry, especially in the carnival side of it, there's a real tendency to keep everything inside, hold everything back, and not tell anybody anything that they don't need to know. So, you know, that's that's one of the great things about the new blog is I can share stuff there that I couldn't have, or if I had, I would have got yelled at. You know, people would have been <laughs> upset with me. So, you know, it's nice to have a place where you feel comfortable and you know people are looking forward to that next post and, you, you know, you you get those comments where you say, Max, you continue to inspire and motivate us, and and we really uh, we're really happy that you continue to to write the blog, and you know, so it's it's great hearing all this stuff, and and that has led to two books, and hopefully my third book, if I can just figure out exactly which which book I'm going to write next, when, um, you know, that's one of the that's one of the real dangers of writing a book is that once you write one book. And even more so when you write a second book, you start to find ideas for books all over the place. And then you're like, well, what do I do next? And, you know, as, while you're continuing to run your business and write your blog posts and do your social media, you only have so much time for that next book. So you have to you have to choose. Uh, I thought, I've, I've decided that I'm going to write my next book about this uh, experience of, with the Amtrak residency where I'm going to go pretty much by myself from Houston to New York City during the Christmas holidays. And before you tell me I'm crazy, everybody else has already said it, so you don't need to. I wouldn't, Max. You should know that by now. <laughs> well, I, just to give you, I just wanted to let you know that my friends, are, my friends are on the fence. They either think I'm crazy or they're worried I'll never get back home again. No, I think so, it's exciting. I mean, let's face it, Max, you've done so much in, you know, that most people would think was impossible that, you know, this to me for you is, is just one, one more adventure to go on. So go for it. Yeah, but you know what the difference is here is in the past, it's been small steps. In the past, I started a blog. Then I, then I started recording videos. Then I, you know, uh, worked on email lists. I'm, it's, it's been small things. This to, this is the first time in a long time, going back to the Midway Marketplace, when I filed for that domain name on September 26, 2006. I can remember the exact day. I can't remember the time. But this has been the first time since then that my stomach is sick. I am scared to freaking death. I mean, this is this this has gotten into my uh, this has gotten into my head somewhere, and I'm going to have to get it out before I leave town. But uh, but this is one of those things where I took a big step. You know, I took a big swing to borrow a baseball phrase. I don't know if they use that phrase in cricket or not. But uh, but this one, you know, this is big because, you know, I'm going to be going 
to one of the the biggest, uh, craziest cities in the world during the worst the worst uh, travel part of our year in the U.S. Um, you know, this is, and I actually have friends who are already starting to send me emails and phone numbers of people in New York City because they're like, Max, if you go there and don't know somebody, you'll never make it home. <laughs> so yeah, you know, but my friends are are divided between between uh, between worry and scared. But in my last post where I posted the video about announcing where I was going, I said, I said, okay, show of hands, how many of you think I'm crazy? How many of you would like to be going with me? And I haven't gotten any replies to that either way. But uh, it's it is a bit. It it was exciting when I when I said it. You know, when I said it out loud, I'm going. That's where I'm going. You know, they said I could go anywhere I want to, when I want to in the next year. It sounded exciting when I said it. It sounded scary when I started working on getting there. That's that's the thing. And I and I think that's uh, – and you know me well enough to know that I'm not going to not share stuff because it makes me look bad. You know, I, I believe that anything I share with people can help them on their journey. And I think it's important for people to know that, you know, there are those – there are there are those places where it may be exciting to say it out loud, but to actually start the work, you know, then it can get a little scary, and that usually comes because you start thinking about too much and too far down the road, and you overwhelm yourself and you scare yourself. Um, I'm a big radio old time radio fan, and there was a character on the Red Skelton show he did called the, the Mean Little Kid, and the Mean Little Kid would start talking about things he was going to do that were mean, and then eventually he'd go. Oh no! I scared myself, and you know that's that's kind of what uh, for a little while I have done. But you know, last night and today, and now talking to you, I'm starting the process of you know do what I can today, do some more tomorrow, and between now and the middle of December when it's time to get on the train, it will all be done. So I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you calling it exciting, and I apologize if I'm rambling or not giving you a chance to talk. But you know. And just a little wound up myself today, I think. Yeah, not at all. No, I mean we need to acknowledge these things because it is a big step for you to undertake. And I think, yeah, we can get into that overwhelm, and we we our imagination can run run away with us, imagining all the things that could happen. Um, which is what fear is all about, isn't it? It's it's imagining the possibility of various negative things happening to us. But, you know, it sounds like if you tap into your support network as, who are already stepping up volunteering to give support, um, you know, it, it, it's also uh, potentially going to be a great story for you as well. And I always say the universe never sends us anything we can't actually deal with, you know, and our our role, our purpose is really to step up to different levels of challenges and for you to take this step is really commendable in my view and, and very courageous too, Max, very courageous. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got onto this Amtrak um, program? What, how did you get selected for this? Well, I think the beginning of that's actually a pretty good story, and it's it's, it's kind of funny. Um, last year, a, an amusement park in in in, uh, in Vietnam or no, Cambodia said that if I could get there, that they would take care of all my expenses because they wanted me to come do videos and help them sell their park, the the rides from their park, um, their wanting to update. Um, 
So I started pitching agents. I thought, well, heck, if I could just get a book publisher to, to see the idea behind a blind guy getting on a plane and going to Cambodia by himself, that they would pay the expenses. And so I started pitching this idea, and everybody said no. Well, one of them, I'm not going to mention the name of the agency. After they said no, they signed me up to their email list without, without asking me. But as a part of being on the mailing list, I started getting these announcements about contests and residency opportunities. And when I saw the one for the Amtrak residency, I thought, well, what the heck, I'll fill it out. So I went to the website, and I looked at the list of other people on there, and I'm like, okay, Max, the profiles of the people who won this last year, they're all amazingly successful, talented people. And they're, if, you know, basically, you're not in their league yet, but, uh, you know, me, I'm not the kind of person who's not going to apply just because it looks like I probably shouldn't get it. So I applied. And actually, one of the things that, that settled it for me is while I was reading through their blog about last year's winners, I found a post from a woman who said, it's a shame y'all only accept already successful or I would apply. And I thought how sad that sounded to me. Mm. I thought, you know, there's somebody who probably could have won if they had just filled out the application. And I'm like, well, application doesn't cost any money. All it does is take me a few minutes of my time. So I filled it out. They wanted a long writing sample, which also encouraged me because most places it's really more of a contest than a competition. It's, you know, more of a sweepstakes than an actual uh, determination as far as who they think really deserves to go. So the fact they wanted, like, I think it was like 4,000 words or something they wanted was, was, was encouraging to me. So I copied part of my first book, Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success. I copied the first two or three chapters from that book because I figured – they had been professionally edited, so they were probably my best work as far as, you know, somebody looking at them and determining my abilities. Sent it off and forgot about it. You know, it's like uh, this is July. I found out two weeks ago. So, like, six months later, I get a call at 9-something at night from an unknown phone number. It turns out it's the people from track telling me I won. So Fantastic. Now, <laughs> I know. Uh, I shouldn't have... I shouldn't have won, but I didn't let the fact that it looked that it looked uh, unlikely keep me from applying. I applied, and then I forgot about it, went on to other things, and then I end up winning. And you know, I'm the blind. I'm I'm the only blind guy in the field. And I looked at this year's winners, and I did the same thing all over again. I go, you know, Max, uh, these people are all a whole lot bigger bigger names than you are. And then I started thinking something else. I said, you know, but Max, you're the only blind guy here. When they read your profile and see the blind blogger, former carnival owner, amusement equipment broker, all this other stuff, they're going to think, man, he's so much farther along than we are. And from that minute on, I've been very, I've been very okay. I haven't had any more thoughts of I'm not worthy. I don't deserve to be in this class or any of that stuff. And I want to, I want to share one of my favorite quotes with people. It's from the movie Star Wars, and it's when Luke first meets Yoda. His ship is stuck in a swamp. Yoda tells him to lift the ship out with the force. Luke says he can't because the ship is huge. And Yoda says, Luke, there is no big or small. There only is. And that's one of those things I really try to remember when I start thinking about people are more important or more successful than I am. Because, or when I start thinking about a show or an opportunity is too big for me, I just try to remember. And, you know, now that we've, we've been talking about this trip earlier and how it scared me a little, 
You know, I try to remember that all the time. There is no big or small. There only is. You know, the, every new challenge, adventure, opportunity that may seem big at the time, but they all take pretty much the same approach and the same skills. You know, you, you have to bring your positive mindset. You have to be grateful. You have to involve your, your support system. You, you have to uh, take small steps to build up to the big accomplishment. All the same things that worked last week, last month, and last year will work with this next thing, no matter how big it is. And that's why it is one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know why more people don't don't remember it from the movie. Everybody remembers there's do or, or do not, there is no try, but nobody remembers there's, there is no big or small, there only is. Yeah, absolutely. That's really wise, uh, Max, because if you think about it, all the people that got to where they are today had to take that leap themselves. And, you know, it's the choice of do you do you actually take that leap? Do you take that, grab that opportunity or do you allow fear to keep you small? And, you know, I really commend you for having gone into this with such a positive and determined outlook and not be discouraged by what appears on the surface to be, you know, um, perhaps beyond your current um, potential. And you proved that exactly. wrong. So that's that's brilliant. Exactly. And the the best thing about it, one of the or one of the coolest things about it has been the number of people who have told me, you know, Max, after hearing you tell this story, I've decided next year I'm applying for the Amtrak or I'm ne- next week I'm applying for something. I even got an email from a woman who said, You know, Max, you tell people all the time if they don't ask for it, they won't get it. She said, I think your line is if you don't ask they can't say yes. She said, So I'm asking. I want you to subscribe to my podcast, leave a review, and record a, record some audio record an audio soundbite for my next episode. I'm like, okay. I'm, you know, these people who have have seen me, like you say, not let the fear of inadequacy or apparent inadequacy keep me from going after something. It has shown them that they should be doing the same thing. So it's it's been a real real great experience and. I can't wait to see what the next chapter of this book is. And that's actually been another issue I've had with this Amtrak thing is from the beginning, as you know, with online marketers, we're always trying to promote our next product before we get there. We're wanting to build an email list and create a market and have a Twitter following for it before it's ready so we can make money from it. You know, it's a natural disease of the profession. Uh, maybe disease is a bad word, but you know what I mean. It's something yeah. we all fall into. And that was that's one of the problems I had last week with this book is I wanted to give it a name and create a sign-up form for it, and I did, and then people started saying, you know, Max, I don't know that there's enough of a book here for you to write a book about your Amtrak experience. And we had a good, good discussion about it, and I came to several conclusions. But the main thing I, I figured out is the book will, because of me, because of what it's going to take for me to get from here to there and back, and because of the fact I'm going to meet a lot of people along the way, both on the train and in New York City, if I just let the book evolve and develop on its own, it can and will be a great book. It will be inspiring to people, and hopefully it will be entertaining too. But if I start out with an idea that I have to write a book about this trip and it has to be written a certain way, it's not going to be as good as it could be. So I kept the sign-up list. There's still a list for a book called Writing the Rails on my website. But that's just a placeholder. 
that's all it is. It's just a working title. There's no telling what it'll be called or what it will be three, well, say six months from now when it actually gets published. Yeah, what came to mind was Max going off the rails to go on the rails. <laughs> <laughs> another good one. Was, another good one was, was Crazy Train, but Ozzy Osbourne has some really tough lawyers, and I was kind of afraid of using that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's. I think that's fantastic, and I do, you know, think this is one of your roles. Your purpose is actually providing that inspiration to people to do things that you know, they've kind of dismissed as not possible without the, you know, the challenges that you're facing on top of, you know, the normal ones that we all have. So, you know, that's really, to me, what, what the blind blog is all about. And, yeah, you know, wanna, speaking of challenges... Sorry, go on, yeah, Max. I, I wanted to share something that a good friend of mine uh, shared with me. His name is Ryan Bedolph, and he's a travel writer. And I told him that, you know, I was, was going to write about this, this experience, and uh, I was. I said I'm. I'm not exactly sure it's a big enough story. I said because it's not like I'm climbing mountains, sailing the ocean, or running in a, or participating in a triathlon. His response was, Max, to people like me, to the sighted, to the people who don't know what it's like to live blind, or and who are scared half the time to go into the next room with the lights out. This is like climbing Everest to us. So be sure and write the book. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what what I'd be interested in hearing from you, Max, is you know, for a conventional travel writer, you'd literally be looking out the window or looking at the landscape and describing, you know, visually what's going on around as well as, you know, the experiences of meeting people. So, you know, how do you envisage this book developing and I, I don't want to preempt, you know, the story as you said it needs to unfold, but from your perspective of a person who isn't sighted, what is the experience that, that you expect to share that perhaps we as sighted people can't really imagine on that kind of trip? Well, I'm not exactly sure because this is the first time in forever that I've been on a trip by myself where I didn't have a friend or family member along to describe the scenery. And I'm one of these people who I'm I'm very comfortable meeting new people and becoming friends with them and, and, and listening to their stories. So this may be a bit of the scenery through the eyes of other passengers. It may be a bit of interviews with other passengers or just recounting their stories as to why they're going to New York this time of year and what they're expecting to happen in their own story. Uh, it could be. It's definitely going to include experiences that happen uh, while you know along the way because you know if you go to your mailbox and back enough times, eventually something's going to happen that you didn't want to. And if you share that, it can be funny and educational, and inspirational all at the same time. So mm. I don't. I you know I don't exactly know what the what the 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 bulk of the story will be, but a lot of it is going to be experiencing the 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 journey and the scenery through the interaction with other people that I'll meet uh on the train and in New York City. And mm. I appreciate it and it's and you know, I want to thank you for seeing it that way because that actually addresses one of one of the things that we've been talking about as far as the book goes. And that is somebody one person said, Max, you're not a travel writer, you're a you're an inspirational self help writer. But 
a normal travel writer, as you just mentioned, would write about the scenery, and that's not something that I can write about. So if for nothing else, even if somebody wants to try to pigeonhole this as a travel book, it's not. there's no way it can be because it will be missing something that's usually a part of every one of those. Yeah, and perhaps it's a metaphorical journey more than a, a kind of literal travel because you know what you said already about the challenging of challenge of facing the fears just justifiable fears of you know a, a a visually impaired person undertaking this kind of trip so you know life is a journey and the journey for you perhaps is is dealing with those challenges and also uh, the interaction with people along the way who are probably going to be quite astounded at the fact that you're doing this at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I once rented an apartment where the neighbors to the apartment didn't want me to move in because they were afraid that I might burn the house down. And I think that I'm probably going to run into at least one person on the trip who's going to be, or what are they doing letting that guy loose by himself? I'm sure I'll get at least <laughs> one of those. And I'm sure I'll get at least one of those. Uh, I'll get at least one person who has to pray for me. I'm, I'll, I'll bet money on that. Uh, I'll get at least one person who wants to take me everywhere, and the first thing I'll have to do is teach them that you don't leave with your hand or your arm, but you put your hand on your shoulder or your elbow. So, you know, there's, there's things like that you, that you commonly run into. But, yeah, I, I tell you, it would be great to have a film crew or somebody along with me that nobody knows is with me just to just to chronicle the reactions. I think that could be a book if there was some way to do it. I mean... That is a brilliant idea, actually. And uh, I must say, what you were saying then brought to mind that wonderful movie, The Scent of a Woman, with Al Pacino playing a fantastic role as a blind person. Did you ever see that film, that movie? I have I have listened to it with audio descriptions, and he does... It's a... It's a... It's a... It's a it's an, a very powerful movie. He does a great job with the role. And I think he won an Academy Award for it or was at least nominated for one. Yes, yeah. And, of course, I use the word scene quite <laughs> unconsciously. Of course, you won't have seen it. But, you know, it was, it was a really powerful role. And, um, you know, his experience uh, as being a blind person. Um, do you experience any discrimination as somebody who can't see, you, I mean, know, you mentioned um, the apartment. I, I don't situation. really because well, you you have to remember a lot of the discrimination comes in housing, and I'm living with my family currently. It comes in employment, and I'm working for myself, so it's not like I can can, can discriminate against myself. Um, and thankfully, the people at the at the Amtrak program did not even consider whether or not I could use the, you know, they, they had no, no worries about my disabilities because if they had, they would have either turned me down or they would have contacted me before giving me the award and asked me some of those usual questions that you get that you're like, oh, I really shouldn't have to answer these questions in 2016, but it still happens. So since, it, since you know, I'm, I wasn't looking for work, I'm, I'm not currently seeking employment in the traditional sense and I'm not, uh, 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 not having to worry about housing, then, you know, I don't really have a lot of problems with discrimination. The one thing I don't like, but there's really nothing I can do about it, even though the law says differently, is sometimes I wish that I could go to my doctors without somebody there to read all the stupid paper for me. 
because there are times there are times when you're sitting with your doctor that you would like to have a discussion with him. Maybe you don't want nobody else ever knowing you had that discussion. You know, I mm. I don't have the I don't have any actual experiences where that ha- has happened. But you know, it's kind of like when you get your mail. It would be nice if there were a way where you could get your mail and not have to have somebody else read it first. You know, that's just it's one of those. I think you know, and I think you know a lot of people would would. You know, if they think about it, they'll understand what I'm saying. It's not that I have anything to hide. It's just that you would like to not have somebody else knowing everything before you know it. Mm, It's like a privacy, a confidentiality thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one of the one of my favorite treats lately is is is, you know I had gastric surgery. I lost over 250 pounds, and I'm I'm much healthier now. Well, I still have to see my gastric surgery surgeon. Uh, at least twice a year for a checkup. Well, my my uh, insurance company started offering medical transportation company. So now when I go to see my gastric surgeon, he's the only doctor I see where I go by myself. And I actually look forward to that visit, even though it's a uh, even though it's a what is it a 45 mile ride each way in Houston traffic. But it's, you know, I go in there, I can have a conversation with this guy who I trust about as well as I trust anybody. And if there's anything I really need to talk about, I can. You know, it's 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 a, it's a something I look forward to, even though, you know, the, the aggravation of getting there would, would make you think otherwise. Just because mm. it's one of those times where I don't have the privacy issues and I'm with my doctor. And, you know, one thing I tell people is, is that if you... If you aren't at the point where you share everything with your doctor, then you need to get a different doctor. Absolutely. And I'd like to just pick up on that topic. You know, you're talking about the gastric surgery and the weight loss. You've actually written a book about that now, haven't you, Max? Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, it's called It's Not the Cookie, It's the Bag, An Easy-to-Follow Guide to Weight Loss Success. And... My editor came up with that subtitle. I'm not one of these people who believes losing weight is ever easy. Even if you have a lot of tools and techniques and help along the way, it's still a continual everyday uh, change of attitude, change of life type of thing if you want to have long-term successful weight loss. I like to say if you want to lose 10 pounds or you want to lose weight for for, for the summer, any diet will work. But if you want to lose weight and keep it off, then you have to change your your lifestyle and do something that will work for you in your particular situation that will work for you from now on. And hmm. you know, with with gastric surgery, you have to change a lot of your a lot of your habits. And there again, I didn't have to change them all at one time. Uh, I would change one habit and get to where that one was ingrained after a month or two or three, and then change, and then and then add another additional new habit. And in the book. It's not just about uh, diet and food choices. It's also about mindset, uh, using affirmations, meditation. And one of my favorite chapters in there is actually about uh, putting good health on your schedule. You know, are you wanting to get healthy well enough to put it on your day planner or your iPhone calendar along with all the other things that you say are, quote, important? Yeah, that's excellent. Um, You know, I think probably I'm as guilty as anybody of not giving enough. Uh, I tend to focus on the mind <laughs> and not so much on the body. So <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I can't exercise today. I've got this to do, you know. So um, that's definitely a hint for me. How did you actually, um, what was the reason for the, the weight gain originally? 
Well, I've never been uh, skinny. I've always been a fat kid, but I grew up in a family of carnival owners back in the day when most rides were moved with heavy lifting. So a lot of families had 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 multiple kids and raised them up to be big and strong. So, uh, but as the years went o- went on, and I wasn't doing physical labor, the weight just continued to grow. And then after my father's death. And after having to uh, connect up with my uncle's carnival and, and work on a midway where I wasn't happy to be there, it got even worse. Uh, I would say up until my dad died, I was, was most most of my life I was between 300 and 400. And when I went finally ex- agreed to go to the seminar and hear about gastric surgery, I weighed in at 512. My brother says he has a picture from before then that where it looks like I weigh about 600. And the one thing that I learned about gastric surgery that really clinched it for me was is that only 50% of people who have a procedure will lose 80 to 90% of the weight that they need to. And there are actually people who will not only not lose but will gain weight while after having surgery. Usually it's people who had the lap band or the balloon procedures. But, you know, it still requires work. And I'm one of these people, if I think it's easy, then I'm probably not interested and you know, also with gastric surgery, there used to be this whole b- belief that if you had surgery, you were a quitter and a failure, and you were just admitting that you didn't have any willpower. So, you know, getting past those two issues and having the surgery and uh, adjusting my diet, exercise, and taking the supplements and just uh, adjusting portions and all the things that goes into it, now I'm able to maintain my weight pretty well and. Uh, I'm much healthier and feel like I'm going to be around a lot longer. And I even told the people at the gastric surgery clinic, Texas Laparoscopic Consultants, I always have to say that slower, I get it wrong. (laughs) Uh, I told them, I said, you know, I may have applied for this uh, Amtrak thing before I lost all the weight, but I'm definitely more confident now. And now I wouldn't have, if they had told me I could go anywhere, I might have went. To, I might have went to New Orleans. You know, I might have went to to, to Dallas. I might have went to Chicago. Uh, I, if I had gone to New York, I would have done it in June. You know, the 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 confidence that comes from being healthy and being able to get around without breathing heavy or uh, worrying about your safety going up and down stairs or ramps. You know, I told them that, in my opinion, that you know definitely led to me making this. Uh, this big, big, this big decision of wanting to go to New York City during the Christmas New Year's holidays. <laughs> and you know, I tell people, I've told people in my books that you know every day can be a New Year's Day. That uh, you know we really shouldn't wait for that one day. That we shouldn't depend on making resolutions because they hardly ever work. But just once, I'd like to be in. I'd like to be in Times Square when the ball drops. And I've also also been told that's insane. But I think it'd be kind of a good end to this particular two years plus of my life that started in June of last year when I wrote the blog post or the guest post, Life Lessons from a Blind Blogger. It would be a great, you know, moment to, you know, if if the if the writing the rails or off the rails isn't a book by itself, I think it would be a great moment to end the two and a half years starting from when I wrote that guest post and, start, and, and started work, started, you know, putting myself out there as the blind blogger. You know, started doing the radio shows and the podcasts and uh, online summits. And, you know, now me and a friend of mine, we're going to promote our own summit for, of visually impaired people in October. You know, all these things started happening when I accepted my role as an inspiration 
and started sharing as the blind blogger, and that would have been June of 2014, according to my blog post. So June of 2014 to January of 2017, sounds to me like a good stretch for maybe the second half of my memoir. What do you think? Absolutely, yes, I do. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that you've, you've developed as well, which again is, uh, I believe, another book of yours or a program of yours, is about how to actually um, get onto radio shows and, and raise your profile um, by guesting on podcasts and radio shows and, and blogs and so on. Um, how about expanding a bit on that, Max? Because that's been quite instrumental um, for you in the last couple of years, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And I'm actually working on a book. I'm going to take my radio interviews from the last three years, and I'm going to have them transcribed and get people who were uh, hosts to do some, to write to write some, uh, what is that word, forwards or prefaces or, or mm-hmm. you know, comments about the about what they thought about having it. I think altogether it'll make a nice it'll make a nice book. It won't be a big thing, but I think uh, I think it'd be the kind of thing that people could read through parts of it on a day and, and get inspired. Is what I'm thinking with it. And as you know, as an online person, there's it never hurts to reuse content you already created. So uh, I'm definitely thinking about that. And I've even had a couple of the, of my first interviews transcribed already. So I'm definitely looking into that. And it's been kind of funny. I if I tell people I, I can help them get unstuck and uh, take action to go after the big goals and dreams, they're like, Max, that's ins- you're inspiring and that sounds good. I don't get a lot of clients. But in the last, say, three or four months when I've, I've started telling people, hey, I can show you how to get on radio shows and podcasts, gain more exposure, share your story, sell your products and services, and uh, build your brand, and they're like, yeah, Max, tell me more. How do I do it? And, you know, I'm actually starting to get interest from people who want to pay me for this. And just last month I, I gave somebody a quote, and they were like, uh, Max, this is re- really reasonable. You should really start to check in to see what people charge for this particular service. And uh, I was amazed to find out that for what they call an online publicist, which is what I've been doing for myself for three years now, that most that the that the bottom end of the market's a thousand dollars a month. I was like, for one client? Are y'all sure? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So so I'm definitely uh, I am available to to teach people how to do it. I have an online course called On the Air: How to sh- How to Share Your Story, Reach a Wider Audience, and Build Your Brand Using Radio Shows and Podcasts. It's a it's a good beginning, and I've I've been told there's oh there, it's over three hours and I've been told there's a lot of great information in it. Um, I'm available to coach people and show them how to do it or to do it for them. Where all they have to do is show up to uh, to do the interview and do the social media stuff. I will not do other people's social media for them for two reasons: one, because if it doesn't come from you, it doesn't have the effect; and two, I hate social media. I don't like doing my own. <laughs> I'm not going to do anybody else's, no matter how much money they want to pay. They can pay that front. But I am offering a package on the on the radio shows where if somebody wants me to do all the other work for them, I will do an I will do their first interview. Uh, I will help them create a media kit and a and a basic pitch email. I will find the shows for them and send out the pitch emails for three months, and I'll do all of that for them for nine hundred ninety seven dollars. 
and they can pay me over three months if they like. Uh, and if they want to break it down to payments, I won't even cash the first check until I get on the first show. Oh, that's brilliant, Max. And it's probably a good point at which to repeat how people can get in touch with you and find out more about that service and also about you know, the books and the uh, online course and so on. So do you want to share that contact detail with us well, now? Well, well, sure. Thank you. I, I sometimes forget if the host doesn't remind me, so thank you. Um, <laughs> Theblindblogger.net, the or they can email me, just ask at theblindblogger.net. The phone number is 979-215-1770. Skype on Maxwell Ivy. Uh, over on the, the blindblogger.net, if you go to the books page, you will see three, three links there now. One is for leading you out of the darkness into the light. The other is for it's not the cookie, it's the bag. The third is for writing, writing the rails. And if you go there, you can click and you can subscribe to emails about the book, my progress on my journey between here in New York and back. And there will also be a, a discount to people when it comes time to actually purchase the book. There will be, be some goodies they'll get if they're signed up. If they, if they just want to hear about my blog posts and my general uh, as a blogger, podcaster, online business owner, the blind blogger, they – uh, there's a place at the bottom and the top of the page where they can subscribe to the email. And as part of that, they will get the the introduction and the first chapter of the audio version of Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light. That's brilliant, Max. That's uh, some great information on there. And we are getting towards the end of the show. Um, this is a one-hour show today. And so before we wind up, what I'd like to ask you is, can you can you share one message with our listeners that would really encapsulate what you do and, you know, the inspiration that you can give and, and how people can really um, take this very proactive and inspired approach to life to achieve success um, regardless of the challenges along the way? So what's your message that you'd like to share? Okay, I think there's there's three things I would like to mention. One is I do what I can as well as I can today, and then I either do it, I either do more or I do it better tomorrow. Uh, two, I'm always asking, whether it be asking people or asking God or the universe. So if you don't ask, they can't say yes. And I believe that you have to do at least one concrete thing every day to get you closer to your goal. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You have to find one thing, one new thing to do, or something you did yesterday you can do again today. Those, one, those small concrete actions will add up to, uh, to that big accomplishment or that big dream that you have. And I also like to find one positive thing every day. And I like to say that most people have trouble seeing the positive in the world because they're not looking for it. And I believe that, like anything else you want to find, you have to look for it. So go out there and look for those rainbows in the middle of the thunderstorms because they're there. They're harder to find, but they're there. Thanks, Maxwell. That's a brilliant message. And you're a great example of actually doing that and not letting, you know, what would appear to be great disadvantages stop you from living 
a really inspirational life and I really thank you for that and you know one of the things in marketing we always say is you know leave people wanting and certainly I'm wanting to spend more and more time listening to your story and and listening to more of the things that you've been doing which we haven't got time for today so I'm hoping Max that you'll come back for another interview uh, where we can explore more things and certainly we'd love to hear the experiences that you have on your exciting Amtrak trip um, in the new year. We'd love to have you back to tell us all about that too. Well, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I'm glad we finally got to finish this interview, and I'm very blessed to have both you and Bill as friends in parts of my life and my story. And I said, let's just go ahead and make a date that uh, sometime in early January I will be back on the show and we'll We'll talk about not only the adventure that's just closed, but whatever the new adventure I happen to be on is at that time. Because as I tell people in my pitch emails, I don't know what my next opportunity, adventure, or challenge will be. And I'm sure between now and then there'll be more to talk about. I'm sure there will. There's more unfolding day by day. So, um Thank you for being with us, Max. We've absolutely loved it. And um, all the contact details for Max are actually in the show notes. So anybody listening can get the details there. It's got the email address, the, um, the phone number, and the website. So I'm just going to hand back to Bill now to say a quick goodbye to you, Max. We've been, uh, Bill's been hanging around in the background and he'll actually close the show for us and uh, look forward to having you again in, uh, on the show in January and wishing you every success with this exciting Amtrak adventure. So over to you, Bill. Okay, for all the listeners out there, could somebody hold up their hand if they can hear me? Okay, Jan just held up her hand. That's a good sign. We've been having some really interesting technical things going on while Jan and Max were having that lovely visit. But it's good to hear that you um, can hear me. So I'm closing. I will decide that um, I know for a fact that I could not hear the show uh, except Jan's side. So I'll have to do that on the replay. But one of the things that I do know is Max is at blindlogger.net, and I would like to tell you all that we really appreciate you following us on Blog Talk Radio forward slash, I'm sorry, that's blogtalkradio.com forward slash A Smile World, and that brings you to this show. And the Conscious Living Show is brought to you by Jan and I of A Smiling World. And we provide coaching, training, and events on personal empowerment, conscious evolution, conscious business development, and universal laws of success. To find out more about our coaching workshops and online courses, you can get a free copy of the Dream Achiever Success Kit also at asmile.org. And if you have an interest in building a hugely successful conscious business, check us out on successfrequency.com. Thank you, Max, for joining us, and thank you, folks, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show today, and look for Max to be back, and also several more very exciting shows Jam's got lined up for you. So with that note, we will sign off and leave you with, finally, after a few corrections on our music files disappearing, I managed to get a good one to leave you with, so we'll leave you with the 
Beach Boys 50th anniversary concert, live version of Good Vibrations.
Fashion emergency hotline. Help! My mom doesn't think I need to go back to school. You shop- have to go to school. It's the law. You didn't let me finish. She doesn't think I need to go back to school shopping. That should be a law. Go to Old Navy. You'll be voted best dress before school even starts. Old Navy? Yeah, starting tomorrow, kids' clothes are up to 60% off. 60% off? Yeah, the hallway will be your runway. They have awesome graphic tees, colorful active gear, and jeans start at just $10. Now you're talking. Thank you. Don't thank me. Thank Old Navy. Balance 728 to 92. Select styles only. Sarah figured out that by switching to Metro PCS, she gets two free smartphones. Your barbecue ribs are the best. Take the rest home with you, Sarah. Just like she figured out that by visiting her in-laws, she doesn't have to cook for the rest of the week. You too figure it out. Get two free 4G LTE smartphones from top brands like Samsung and LG after instant rebate when you switch. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included. See store or metropcs.com for details and terms and conditions.